interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host. Glad to have you along. Uh, there is no Husker football to, uh, today. So uh, that means not only do you get a Friendly Fire, but you get a Stonebridge retirement. You get uh, best of uh, 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 the, what's the morning show with Jack. It's one of them shows, you know, the Jack and Friends. Uh, and then you get uh, a one shot, one life, and then do uh, you got the business show, Grow Lincoln, all local, all morning, and it starts right here with an hour of friendly fire. And I am so glad to have in studio with me today um, a returning guest, uh, Senator Suzanne Geist. How are you today? Doing great. How are you? I'm I'm okay. Now, how long are you still? Now, what's the? Uh, you're termed out, right? I not quite. Not quite. I am in the middle of my second term, so I have the coming up session left, mm-hmm. and then one more short session. One more short session. Okay. The uh, we're, we're we'll get into all of that. I want to get into uh, what's happening with the session and, and the the mayoral excitement that yes. I'm starting to see some signs already. <laughs> yeah. Is that, Isn't that crazy? That that is <laughs> the uh, what uh, when where do I get my sign? Uh, I can take care of that for you. All right. Okay. Well, we'll get to that in just a minute. It's been a couple of years since you've been on, I think, it here. Is. Yeah. Yeah. What's your, what if, uh, other than the, we'll get to the legislature and uh-huh. then we'll get to the mayor's race in just a minute. But what else is life? Okay. This is, it was pre-COVID. It I think, was. When you did Isn't that last. crazy? Even yeah. to think pre-COVID. Gosh, mm-hmm. we've had four grandchildren since I was here. No way. Yeah. So we went from five to nine. Almost doubled our batch there. Wow. Uh, COVID was very good to us in that way. <laughs> um, so, and all my kids live here in Lincoln. And so I get the joy of knowing uh, all those kids really intimately. You're making me super so, jealous. Yeah, it's a I, sweet thing. I've got one grandson and he's in Philadelphia. Oh, So I get I'm to see sorry. him like every six months. Yeah. Uh. FaceTime is a great thing, but it's not a, a it doesn't substitute for the real thing, yeah, you know, yeah. but we're fortunate at least we have that. Yeah. What's the age range of the grandkids? Well, our oldest is 15 and the youngest is three months. Wow. So all in between there. 15. So you were married when you were 10? Well, she is came that... with a marriage. So, oh, okay. so our, we say okay. from scratch, our oldest is 10. Okay. So, all right. Um, she's the oldest sister and she's a joy. She is our she is our step granddaughter, but she gotcha. is every bit ours Ab- as could possibly be. Absolutely. Well, I just was doing a little math there mm-hmm. and I thought that, you know, you're, I appreciate you're, that. <laughs> see, and I, and you're still a very young person. Well, I know that because we're just about the same age, aren't we? About, yes. So we're very young still, <laughs> aren't we? <laughs> very young. You're a very young person. Absolutely. That's right. Uh, so uh, with the uh, with the grandkids here. I mean, do you get to, does grandma get to babysit? Oh, yes. Oh, man. And actually, to be honest with you, that's one of the things that helps me do what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, we have three kids that are very different, very different levels of the economic spectrum, mm-hmm. um, all doing quite well, uh, just mm-hmm. in every way. But for one, I don't have to travel and see kids, so I can do my job here yeah. um, in Lincoln. And um but it also keeps me in tune with what's going on in different age groups and mm-hmm. different socioeconomic age groups as well, mm-hmm. or 
uh, parts of the economy yep. in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. It's been in- incredibly helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. The, is there a particular, if you're going to do something fun with the grandkids, is there anything in particular that you like to do? Well, you know, we um, moved during COVID and mm. we put in a swimming pool in our backyard because Ooh. the kids, we thought as they got older, still would want, we want grandma and grandpa's, grandma and papa's house mm-hmm. um, to be a fun place to be. So we put in a pool and so that's what we spend you know, six months of the year, we try to keep it open yeah. as early as possible and late as possible. Yeah, yeah. Keep it heated. And um, so we do lots of dinners. Every other Sunday we get together for dinner. Oh, wow. And um, we're pretty close. Pretty, is... uh, the kids all love each other and get along. Grandkids are all best friends. And we mm-hmm. have a pretty sweet life. That That is Awesome. Yeah. By the way, the, the one of the things when I was a when I was a kid, I don't know how it was in your in your world, but uh, it was just grandpa and grandma. There were there weren't a lot of choices, name right. choices. You know, right. it was just grandpa <laughs> or grandma, and that was it. And then now it's like, well, now what are we going to call? You exactly. Know? And so you know, we had to we had to figure that out. Did you did you have a choice in that, or were you assigned? I well, originally my um, name was Guzan because our our first grand daughter came with a marriage and she couldn't mm-hmm. say my name and I wasn't grandma to her mm-hmm. when we met uh-huh. but I became grandma and so yeah. she called me Guzan so I was grandma mm-hmm. Guzan mm-hmm. and then the other kids as they came along didn't understand why I was called that because that's not my name <laughs> so I'm just plain old normal grandma and uh-huh. then my husband's papa mark okay so yeah. Nothing terribly complicated. Not, uh, not too complicated. But still, you know, you got to, uh, Kelly, uh, she made the choice. She said she wanted to be Graham. Uh-huh. And uh, I just went for the good old grandpa. Yeah. And so Max can say grandpa. Uh-huh. But he had a hard time with Graham. I'm not sure yeah. why. So he just started calling her G. And, so, <laughs> and that works. <laughs> and it, it works just fine. It was, yes, there is something about the, uh, my kids uh, live uh, on a second level of an old, uh, you know, brownstone. Mm-hmm. And it's like a billion steps going up. Uh, literally probably 40 steps. Wow. And so at the bottom of the steps, uh, if we're out and coming back from something, Max would uh, look at me and raise his arms up and say, Grandpa. Aww. And I'm telling you what, I don't care how many steps there are. You're going to pick him up and take him up those stairs. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Every time. I always tell uh, my kids, especially uh, and Max, watch out. Use your powers very carefully because Grandpa doesn't know how to resist your powers. Yeah, yep. It's, a it's pretty, true. A pretty sweet deal. Now, how, many, how long have you lived in Lincoln then? Since 1981. So I'm going to call that 41 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. That's a long, a long time. time. Yeah. Yeah, and my husband's family has been here for we're ha- now is being born the fifth generation of Geists in Lincoln. Mm. So his grandfather, yeah, almost a hundred years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a so longevity, and we love this city. That's a long time. It that's is. A, uh, and before you, uh, where'd you grow up? Then what city? I grew up in Arkansas in Pine Bluff, which is. Sort of a sad, dying town right now. It was a great place to grow up. I, a very diverse uh, community, mm-hmm. very different from when I moved to Lincoln. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I had a great school. Uh, I had a great education. 
great mm-hmm. diverse uh, friend group. Mm-hmm. And um, so I left all that so I could lose my southern accent and become <laughs> a broadcast journalist, which never really materialized um, because I got subpoenaed to be on a grand jury two weeks before mm-hmm. I graduated college. So for almost two years, every other week, I was a, I was a jurist. I was on jury duty. Mm-hmm. And um, I couldn't get a job. Mm-hmm. So during that time, though, um, the broadcast um, platforms all went to digital instead mm-hmm. of analog, which is how I was trained. Yep. So I couldn't get a job because I wasn't appropriately trained. Oh. So, isn't, isn't that amazing how much things have changed? They have changed. I mean, and, I remember, you know, my first computer for college was a green screen. You know, mm-hmm. it was probably an Apple IIe or something. It was just, and wow, you could and save it, it to a floppy disk. Yes, <laughs> I remember. And it was, and it was floppy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Those, 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 you, you had one of those too, something like I that? I did have something like that. It was a lot oh. bigger than the tiny little laptop <laughs> or, or um you know, my little screen that I use now. Yes. Actually, I end up using my phone most yeah, of the time. Yeah. I never dreamed I'd be able to do that. Or do you remember when we thought we would be able to look at each other when we talked on the phone? Yes. And we thought that was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and the Dick Tracy wristband. Yes, that, and it's like, here we are with ours. Oh, man. Oh, man. If we have we have lived through so much. We have. Yeah, all right. Well, enough, enough memory lane. What we're going to do here, we're going down a different memory lane here in the next segment. I want to hear about uh, uh, your years in the unicameral. Okay. And how that has kind of shaped you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then eventually we'll get, we'll get into, we're going to talk about this uh, mayoral campaign as well. Sounds Sound good. good? Absolutely. All right. It's Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns here talking with uh, Suzanne Geist. I should say Senator Suzanne Geist. And it's great to have you along. Freshen up the coffee. We're just getting started. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday here on uh, The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil, this is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking with uh, Senator Suzanne Geist. And uh, the, the title senator here comes from your years in the unicameral. And remind me of which district you uh, represent. District 25. That used to, when I was campaigning, um, it encompassed from the North Lancaster County line. So it grabbed Waverly and went all the way down to about Old Cheney Road and then out east to the Lancaster County line. Mm. Um, but the past year, we, um, gosh, time has just flown. We went, had a special session. We did redistricting. Mm-hmm. And now my district starts at Van Dorn, goes to the East Lancaster County line, goes to Sotillo Road to the south and all the way east. So mm. I have Bennett and then a big chunk of Southeast Lincoln and then some mm. of the rural neighborhoods in Southeast Lincoln as well. Mm. So a completely different uh, flavor of um, what my district is. However, it's still a combination of, of urban and rural, which I find interesting. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and um, that also gives an interesting dynamic to how uh, the the um, input that I get from my constituents. Absolutely, I'm I'm just south of Saltillo, so mm-hmm. I'm in the uh, uh, whatever district that is. That's, that would be Dorn's district. That is correct. Okay. Yeah. Yep. 
and uh and yeah it's it's mostly rural mm-hmm. so but we you know again even our mailing address is rural but we're just you know right south of town right. so uh there's uh, it's we are just actually a quarter mile south of the new bypass okay i don't know if you have a hunch as to whether the city limits are going to be extended to the bypass or you know i don't have a hunch i um i don't i don't know yes. i think it would it, it's an interesting question because a lot of infrastructure has to be yes has to be uh undertaken before that can happen. Yes, yes. We've got a ways to go and mm-hmm. I uh, I'd just be happy if my road got paved, but that's another topic <laughs> yes. for another day. Yes, and now, it's a county issue. So. Yes, yes. I've got someone else to blame. But um in fact, I I need to get working on that. I know some county people now. Um, all the way back to then, you're a freshman in the mm-hmm. Unicam role. Mm-hmm. And uh, what were, just as you think about those early days, wow. what were some of the things that, uh, boy, wow, this I'm learning and take some adjusting. Right. Or maybe some things that just like, oh, this is exactly what I hoped it would be. Um, okay, that, it was my first... Uh, time ever in any political office so Mm. uh, truly when they say drinking through a fire hose it felt like that for about 18 months Mm. Um, there is so much to learn and um, and for me I I was always my husband's wife my kids mom so suddenly I'm a known elected official and that comes with its whole Pluses and minuses, I would say, as well. Mm -hmm. I know that there are some people that really enjoy that, and I wish I was one of those. (laughs) I'm just not. I I really enjoy putting my nose to the grindstone, working hard, Mm -hmm. doing what I'm supposed to do. Um, But having my name on a 4 by 8 sign is just not my idea of a good time. Mm. But it does come with the job. So I'm learning to adjust, and, and I've gotten more used to that. There are times it still makes me a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll also have to say, thinking back in those early years, it, it was nothing like I expected. Mm. Because, well, I learned a lot campaigning. I knocked on 14,000 doors. I met so many people in Lincoln. And that in and of itself was such an enriching activity but the job itself is so much more difficult than what I knew, what mm-hmm. I expected. Mm-hmm. And you have to know so much more than what I knew at the time. Um, I remember sitting in a, a committee hearing, and I'm a pretty level person. I don't get too excited or too down. I'm pretty steady. Mm-hmm. I almost had a panic attack because wow. <laughs> we, were, we were discussing an issue that would change an industry. And I didn't know anything about that industry. Mm. And I thought I, the weight of the responsibility of making a wise decision kind of landed on me at mm. that point. And I, so I had, for the first session or two, a do-no-harm um, mentality that if I didn't know enough mm-hmm. to change, and this was something that's going to radically change an industry, I'm going to be a no because I... I don't know how we got where we are, and I don't know where this is going to take us. And if Mm. I don't know the answers to those questions, I'm not going to change anything Mm. until I learn the answers. And so it, but it, what it did is it drove me to study a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't like to not know what 
I'm talking. I I don't speak if I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But I also don't like to be in a committee and be the one that doesn't know what's going on. So I will read and study and talk to experts. I'll do a tour. I'll do whatever it takes mm-hmm. to learn the subject matter at hand. Um, so that's what I did, and that's I spent about. I ended up really diving into criminal justice. Um, I do a lot with uh, transportation and telecommunications. I had to dive in a lot to natural resources because that happened to be the committee I was on, and I knew absolutely nothing on that Mm -hmm. committee. But I served there four years, and after those four years, I knew quite a bit about Mm -hmm. things, the subject matter. Mm -hmm. So um, now I'm on judiciary and still on transportation and telecommunications. And on judiciary, because I dove into a subject that not many people take on, um, and it just happens to be a passion, um, partly because I have a heart for people who have been incarcerated or who are currently, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's the responsibility of the state to do a good job um, helping to rehabilitate to the best of the state's ability mm-hmm. uh, individuals who are incarcerated. If mm-hmm. if we have vulnerable people in our care, I think it's our responsibility to do the best job possible to help them be successful. If you could, if you could make uh, along those lines, if you mm-hmm. could just wave, wave a magic wand and make one or two reforms, mm-hmm. uh, what anything pop to mind? Mm-hmm. Uh, several things, especially with um, people who are incarcerated. If we could get, and this is expensive, everything is expensive, and that's uh, uh, in many way reasons why we don't do some of the things that I'm going to say. But one of them is. Um, to have partner with business so that a trade or some type of business skill is learned while they're incarcerated mm. so that they come out with a certificate or a, a, a diploma or something mm-hmm. that allows them to transition into a good-paying job. Mm-hmm. We need workers in our, in our state. We have 5,200 people at our, with they ha- we have their undivided attention, mm. and um, I would love to have a robust partnership with business so we could help um, help train yeah. people while they're incarcerated and yeah. make use of that time. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, a few years ago, uh, a friend invited me, um, Stephanie Stacy, who's mm-hmm. a Supreme Court judge here. Mm-hmm. She invited me to go to drug court. And, and witness what was a drug court graduation. That's inspiring. And uh, I, it was tremendously inspiring. Mm-hmm. And I and part of what it made me think of, again, is I don't know if this is a possible reform or not, but how many of these specialized courts could we have mm-hmm. that deal with particular issues instead of um, just, it seems like, you know, every kind of situation gets kind of lumped together right. And, right. into the system. But it was clear that this it doesn't always work. Right. I get it. But boy, when it works, it works well. It's, it's fantastic. And I'll tell you that one of the things that I've done is um, help set up mental health courts mm. to try and divert people out of the system mm. who are mentally ill. Um, I agree with you. I sat through drug court for a year in my study, um, and uh, it. I think another thing, if I could wave a magic wand and make happen, would be take the principles that they employ in drug court mm-hmm. and overlay that to the correctional system. And for people that don't know w- what that would look like is there is very um, communicated, unchanging 
um, consequences, Mm -hmm. and then there are rewards for doing well. There's also uh, really robust services that wrap around each individual that goes through. Mm -hmm. So if they need counseling, if they need job training, if they need housing, that that they the state avails them of that. Mm-hmm. Um, they help them. They don't give it away. They help them to mm-hmm. acquire that. There's a lot of partnerships of um, people who've been there before who are walking with the individuals. Mm-hmm. And to the degree that they comply is the degree that they get more rewards and more self-dignity. Mm-hmm. But if they step out of line, there are swift, sure things that correct that behavior Mm -hmm. and they're communicated and the same thing happens to everyone. So it's Mm -hmm. even across the board. And what you see is what you saw at the end of 18 to 18 months to two years of people whose lives are radically changed. And it's because I think it is a good parenting principle that is just universally true that when you employ this type of principles in a human being's life, they thrive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it works. Yeah. And I would love to see more thinking like that across the correctional uh, continuum mm-hmm. because I think we'd see more people do better. Yeah, yeah. We're going to take another break when we come back. Um, well, we'll talk a little bit more about the legislature, okay. but I want to hear about this, uh, this uh, run for mayor. Okay. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. It's Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Suzanne Geist, and glad to have you along on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499 KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns, 1499-3 KLIN. Rolling right along on a Saturday morning, uh, talking with Senator Suzanne Geist, and uh, uh, we were. Ta- we'll talk more about the legislature too, because there've been so many things that we could we could talk about. But I didn't want to miss the opportunity to talk about your latest uh, decision to run for mayor. Mm-hmm. Uh, d- d- tell me about that process of uh, deciding that this is this is the right thing at the right time. It was a long process. Mm-hmm. Um, I've thought about it for a while. I've had people ask me about it for a while. I've said no for a long time, Mm -hmm. Um, simply because I am almost done with my legislative career. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And the thought of uh, riding off into the sunset to our very sweet, easy life um, Mm -hmm. has a lot of appeal. Mm -hmm. And so um, it really was a very difficult decision. However, I I also, um, part of it is feeling a call to be honest. Um, Another part of it is um, feeling a concern of what I'm seeing in our city. And um, some of the things that concern me are I see crime more frequently, and um, that's a big concern. I know that we have a a force that's, um, well, across the country, Police officers are needed in every city and every county, um, and that's that's the same here in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also know that we've uh, we spend a lot of money in this city, and our roads are still an issue. And so, I would like to <laughs> dig into that, do something about that. Um, 
And and I think basically uh, what I'm seeing is that we're going a different direction than what I see as the nuts and bolts of city business. Um, and that is roads, infrastructure, um, public safety, ease of doing business. I don't know how many uh, business people I've talked to who have said Lincoln is so hard to work with. Mm. And I would like to have an administration that helps the city be a city of saying yes to business. Yes, we'll figure out how we can get that done easier, quicker, um, with less hoops to jump through, because we want this to be a place where businesses come, where young people come, where we have good jobs, um, a unique place to live, uh, opportunities that other communities like ours don't have. And I think we can do that. I think it just takes a, a different focus than what we have right now. Mm-hmm. There, um, you said it's a long process of mm-hmm. deciding to do that. It's also, uh, well, it probably involves a lot of other people. It does. Uh, your family and, and others. Uh, do you enjoy that process of kind of working this out and figuring that out and, and, and picking the brains of people who, who know you and love you? And, mm-hmm. or is that, uh, did that help, I assume, a lot in, in making a final decision? Uh, I have the most supportive family, and and that starts with my husband. Uh, I could not do this work without him. I know that there are many spouses that don't enjoy the political process, and I, I would say my husband probably doesn't love the whole political part of it, but he's very social, and he mm-hmm. loves the people that we meet, mm-hmm. and they love him. He mm-hmm. is a great companion and um, a great advisor. Mm -hmm. And so he really, uh, through this process, has taken a step back. And um, he hasn't told me what to do. He he knows that doesn't work very well. (laughs) (laughs) But but he also, um, I did, in this decision, lean heavily on his opinion. And um, so there were some t- things that we wanted very specifically to see before um, I took any steps forward to make this decision. Mm-hmm. And so we were on vacation. We talked about it quite a bit. We prayed about it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And um, and he kind of laid out what he thought good conditions would be. And, um, and that's a new role for him in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, that's what we're going to. That's what we're going to do. We're going to wait and see if those things happen. And every single thing to every single point that he laid out mm-hmm. happened. And it kind of helped me over the hump of how do you know when it's the right thing to do? Mm-hmm. And so we, we, I feel like we made that decision together, which did make it a bit easier. And then... My children are different degrees of politically interested, and they are all incredibly supportive. Their spouses mm-hmm. are supportive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a, a thing to think about that when my children my are the ages that they are, but then my grandchildren now are six years older than they were, seven even, um, when I was running the first time. And sometimes politics get nasty 
Mm-hmm. And so c- that consideration, uh, you know, is was one that I had to make very realistically as well. And that yeah. my grandchildren might hear things, my kids might hear things that that um, other people try to paint me as that may or may not be positive. And <laughs> um, yes. so the, it is a consideration. And right yeah. now, politics is not uh, positive. Yeah. And so uh, so it was hard. It's hard yeah. to, to see people that you love uh, be pained for you. Yeah. And so I don't look forward to that. But we've talked about it, and we're prepared for it. Yeah. there. We were talking before we began here about how uh, in, in both of our uh, career paths here, people tend to see you uh, for your position and not necessarily mm-hmm. as a person. Right. And uh, so and there's a there's a certain price to that. I yeah. mean, for me as a pastor, again, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I one of the nice things about living here so long is I don't have to tell people I'm just like them because they grew up with me. Right. And they know right. it's like, oh, yeah, he's just like me. Right. Uh, but as a politician, again, sometimes that's the only role they see you in. Right. Is this kind of very small frame mm-hmm. and they don't get to see you as a full person. What, how do, how do you feel about that? Um, I have to tell you, I do try to get to know people who have different opinions than I do. I actually have so many friends that, um, politically we may have nothing in common, even lifestyle wise, we may have nothing in common, mm-hmm. but so I, I hate the frame. I hate the small frame mm-hmm. because that's, so, it so undersells the human being. Um, there are very few of us that actually live in that small frame. Yeah. Most of us have a life outside of what people think we mm-hmm. are. But, you know, I deliberately try to bust that frame. I, I do. I, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, I love people. And I honestly don't care um, what people's hangups are. I have my own. Um, I don't care if we differ politically. And I would suspect you could ask just about anyone at the legislature if I am a person that doesn't like people because their opinions differ from mine. I have pretty good relationships there. Mm-hmm. And um, and I intend to bring that. That's sort of my leadership style. I love hearing other people's opinions. Um, I, t- I, I will bring that to the city. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw the headline um, in the Journal Star that I said that I will bring all voices to the table, and that's actually true. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're all better by hearing what other people have to say. Uh, I've certainly heard that in my legislative career. Uh, mm-hmm. I get a lot. I I don't know what other people's um, inbox looks like, but I know mine is full a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's not usually people telling me what a great job I'm doing. Um, <laughs> but I do read those. Yeah. I, I try to respond as to as many as I can. I know I've missed some because I've heard lately that I've missed some. Um, but I, I get hundreds a day. Mm. And um, and I do read them all. And, mm. and I, you can get to where you think, oh, man, people really don't like me out there. And then you go out in public and go, well, okay, maybe a few of them do. I don't know. But, but I do hate the frame I, because it's, so, it's such a misinterpretation of people. Yes. And um, my life is so much bigger than that. And 
so much more diverse than that. And, and I, you know, but I know how I've been cast and it's just so opposite. Uh, my family finds it, they now find it humorous. They didn't at first, <laughs> Yes, but it's very different from who I am. Yes. Well, hey, let's pick up on that in just a minute. Well, one last break. Then we're going to come back. We'll do a little shameless plug okay. and, uh, and we'll see about uh, some other plans you might have for the city. Sound okay. good? Sounds good. It's a friendly fire Saturday here on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday uh, talking with Senator Suzanne Geist. And uh, Senator Geist, it is that time of the program where we always do a shameless plug. So I say to you, plug away. All right. Well, I would just invite people to go to my website, SuzanneGeistForMayor.com. You can read all about me. You can see pictures of my kids. You can donate there. You can get involved. Uh, we have an all-hands-on-deck uh, mentality at our campaign, mm-hmm. and so I've got lots of help already, but we're asking for more. So I let people know that the, um, the primary election is not till April. The general is May, so we have a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. We will not be on the ballot in November. So we're just starting early, getting gotcha. the word out. Gotcha. And that, that was, in fact, you read my mind because I was thinking that it's the way we do that, right? We always, it's like one month later or something. Yeah, 28 uh, days, okay. actually. Okay, 28 days. Yeah. Whoa. It's a quick That's, turnaround. That is a quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, uh, so you're, uh, you're beginning that process again that you've done in the past, of, mm-hmm. you know, connecting with people, knocking on doors. Do you, uh, I'm assuming that the, is there anything else that you're hearing from them that they that they're kind of top of of consciousness kind of issues out there? Yeah, top of consciousness. I think now it, it's still inflation and and gas. Mm. You know, prices are expensive. Groceries yeah. are expensive. I just went to the grocery store and had. I remember when I could get a bag and it, it equaled about ten dollars. Mm. So however many bags I had. Now, that was a while ago, but it didn't seem that long ago. Mm. I spent $75 on two bags of groceries. <laughs> and and fortunately, my husband and I are, are have the capacity to do that. But mm-hmm. as I said earlier, I have three kids who are at all different levels of the economic spectrum. And when so I know how difficult it is for people mm-hmm. when prices are like that. And mm-hmm. so what I think... As a mayor, what my responsibility would be is to to make sure that my budget, that my decision-making, that everything I'm doing is looking at the grid of how does this hurt or help our citizens. And so making sure my budget's trimmed. If the economy is going down, my budget's going to be going down. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, I I do think that, Lincoln is a place that looks out for each other, that looks mm-hmm. out for our neighbors, and um, we're a loving city. But lately, too, and I, I mentioned this earlier, I, I think I'm getting concerned as well about some spikes in our public safety. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a huge supporter of our first responders. I think we need to uh, stand shoulder to shoulder with them. Um, and in good times and bad, not just when things are going well, but when things aren't going well. And, um, and so I'm, a, I'm really uh, fo- going to be focused on uh, making sure they know that. And um, 
hearing from them what their issues are, I don't want to walk into a place saying this is how you will, you you know, firefighter professional or mm-hmm. law enforcement professional, here's how I, I'm going to tell you to do your job. I don't think that's my role. My role is to listen to how, what are the tools you need to do the most effective job that you can, and then I then in turn allow them to do the most effective job they can. Yeah. And you know, the, the budget process has always been, in my memory, fairly contentious. We, mm-hmm. we, they talk about a strong mayor uh, kind of form of government here in right. Lincoln. Right. And, but that has kind of turned into the mayor does the budget and the, and the council kind of gets informed of it later down the line. Mm-hmm. Is that something that's open for maybe another look as to, as to how to involve the council, or does it just need to be that way? I, I have I'm not going to comment on what any other mayor has done up to the past, mm-hmm. but that's just not my style. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would do is regularly meet with the city council, not just over the budget, but one-on-one, once a month. Every person, sit down, tell me what's going on in your district. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are your priorities? So by the time we get to a budget, we've already talked about those mm-hmm. things. It's not a wait a minute, I'm going to spring this on you and then you get to respond to it. Mm-hmm. I think those communications should be happening from day one until that happens. So I love the give and take. I like give, getting ideas. There does come a point where a mayor has to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And so in that, in that, those cases, I'm perfectly capable of standing on my own two feet and saying, you know what, Mm -hmm. we disagree and this is the way we're going to go. But most of the time doing things collaboratively, you Mm -hmm. get there in a way that people agree more or at least understand where you're going. Mm -hmm. And then I too understand their votes. So I, I have had people ask, well, what if you have a city council that's all the other party? Mm -hmm. And I we can deal with that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. city government is not about what's Republican, what's Democrat. Yeah. It's about what's best for the city. Yeah. And I think roads, public safety, business, jobs, we all want those. Mm-hmm. So there has to be some way that we can work together. So if we're meeting together once a month and talking about those things, I'm sure there are areas we can partner in. Um, and there's going to be some we're going to disagree on. Mm-hmm. But I see a lot of room for uh, collaboration, mm-hmm. uh, no matter who is in the city council. Yeah, a part of that dynamic, you know, and when people are making decisions in D.C., how does that relate to Nebraska? Or mm-hmm. when, when we're making decisions in Lincoln and the unicameral, how does that relate to Scott's Bluff or to Shadron? Right. You know, and so, but when you make a decision in Lincoln about Lincoln... I mean, this is you have to personally live with the outcome yes. of your decision. You can't you're, you're a citizen yourself. Right. Uh, how does that fundamentally change city? I mean, what is that just one of many of the fundamental differences between city and these other forms of, of governing? Yes. And I would say the government that affects you the most is the government that is the closest to mm. you. Mm. And so um, even being a senator and living in Lincoln, I'll go to the grocery store and someone will stop me and ask me about a state issue. I suspect when I'm mayor that that will happen more Mm -hmm. um, because the decisions made are closer to the people that I serve. And, um, but that's as it should be. Mm -hmm. I think 
because living here and living with the consequence or positive outcome of decisions, well, that's a very purifying thing. <laughs> you know, yes. it's going to it's going to really guide good yeah. decision making. Yeah. And it, so it, well, when people do come up and they have a comment or whatever mm -hmm. that uh, sometimes I know for me, if I see somebody, then I might say hi, but I don't want to bother them. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want to be a bother. Mm -hmm. Just how do, how is that? Uh, how do you feel about people wanting to share their thoughts or questions or say hello? Or is that? Or is that, do you want some time at the grocery store just to, just to think about fruits and vegetables? Well, and that's a good question, and I guess it would end up, I, I would say it would depend on the situation. If I'm at dinner with my family, having a long discussion with someone is a little more difficult. Yeah. I never would discourage anyone from saying hi. I Again, I love people. Mm -hmm. I don't mind ever being greeted. Um, sometimes... Even if someone needs to say something, making it brief is good. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then, or saying, could I call you? Can yeah. I get in touch with you at the office? Um, yeah. But I, it happens, but I don't, I, I don't, um, I don't discourage it, but I don't. There are times when it gets a little sure, overwhelming. Sure. Well, well, we need to have our elevator speeches ready, right? The elevator <laughs> yes. pitch. 15 yes, seconds, say what you need. Thank you so much for taking the time to be in studio today. I oh, sure you're welcome. It. You Thank bet. you. Senator Suzanne Geist and uh, looking to be uh, Mayor Suzanne Geist here. So uh, appreciate your work in the past and, and uh, look forward to seeing what happens here this year. Great. Uh, I leave you saying as I always do to think about it and talk about it. We'll see you next week.